0: Welcome to the Plutonomics Podcast with Lori Cammie and Barnaby Levin. The word Plutonomics means the study of wealth. It's our mission to educate, to help clients think about their goals and how they might benefit from working with an advisor to achieve them. But more importantly, it's to make sure our listeners understand both the pros and cons of any issue so they can make informed decisions and increase the odds of finding the right answer for them. You see, it's not who's right or wrong, but knowing there are no disinterested parties or unbiased opinions, and that where you sit depends on where you stand. The challenge to making good decisions is to start by questioning one's assumptions and to break free of our prejudices, because the truth usually lies somewhere in between. There are always two sides to every issue, both of which have merit. Last week, In a rare exception to our policy of offering both sides more or less equally on every issue, Lori and I did an opinion piece on changing the education system, a topic about which we're both passionate. And we hope some of what we said at least will have a positive impact and find its way into a broader discourse so we can make progress as a nation with something so important to our future. Today, however, we're returning to one of the most important decisions when it comes to Portfolio management, and that is the pros and cons of active versus passive investing.
1: The whole concept of picking individual securities versus using an index approach applies across all asset classes, from stocks to bonds to commodities, and can greatly affect a person's results over time. Today, we will focus primarily on stock investing. But let's start with the question what is indexing? Well, indexing starts as a benchmark, a yardstick against which other things are measured. In economics, for example, indexing is used to track data, such as the Purchasing Manager's Index and the Institute for Supply Management, or as a gauge for things like the Cost of Living Index and Consumer Prices. When it comes to investing, an index is usually used to track the performance of a given asset class or sector, starting with two of the most well-known equity indexes, the Standard & Poor's 500 and the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Both of these are broad-based baskets of stocks, but the impact each stock has in the basket depends on the methodology. For example, the Dow Jones is a price-weighted index, giving greater weight to stocks in the index with higher stock prices, while the S&P gives greater weight based on the company's market capitalization. That is the stock price times all of the shares the company has outstanding. But again, there are all kinds of indexes for treasuries, municipal bonds, and commodities, just to name a few.
0: Indexing in the investment industry is broadly known as a passive strategy. For gaining exposure to a specific market segment, with a known and more or less fixed group of holdings. Over time, because the majority of active managers don't typically or consistently beat their benchmarks, many investors have found they can achieve the same or better return simply by investing in an exchange-traded or index fund, which tend to have lower expenses and work well in portfolios like a 401k, which are longer term in nature. Since index investing takes a passive approach, the simplicity of tracking the market without a star manager whose style can sometimes be out of sync or who can leave. This allows pension providers to offer them with confidence in their role as fiduciaries. Mutual funds in general have gone through a number of iterations over the years, but starting in the early 70s, things really took off for two reasons. The first was the creation of self-managed retirement plans like 401ks, Kios, and IRAs. The second, however, was a professor at Princeton by the name of Burton Malkiel, who Laurie mentioned in our podcast on investment strategy. In 1973, Malkiel wrote a book called A Random Walk Down Wall Street, in which he argued that all available information is already priced into the market, that statistically trying to beat the market is a fool's errand. So why even try? For his work... Malkiel won a Nobel Prize in economics and John Bogle founded Vanguard, capitalizing on the theme by creating a family of passively managed index mutual funds with lower fees than other active managers at the time from American funds to PIMCO.
1: Not long after Malkiel won his Nobel Prize, Eugene Fama and Kenneth French at the University of Chicago also won Nobel Prizes for their work for improving what's known as the capital asset pricing model. They found three distinct risk factors that contributed most to long-term performance, which are excess volatility, size, and value. And Cliff Astnes, a student of Fama in French, argued that momentum was a fourth important factor and founded AQR based on capturing all four of these directional movements. Today, exchange-traded funds seem to be overtaking mutual funds by offering baskets of securities that one can trade like shares of stock during market hours instead of waiting until 4 p.m. Eastern time each day for the fund to price its securities at the close at net asset value and allowing investors to react instantly to news to be long, short, use one group of funds to hedge another, or to create a portfolio of individual securities and index funds. The question is, can an investor successfully outperform indexes with a similar amount of risk or volatility with an active strategy over time? Especially in higher risk and more volatile times that often shake people out of investing at the wrong time.
0: In choosing which approach is best for you, one needs to decide two things. Do you want to be the market? Satisfied with whatever returns the market offers, which you have to admit hasn't been bad, or to beat the market with some greater degree of concentration and thereby hope to increase returns without increasing risk or volatility too much in the process. And then there's the whole question of compounding. Not long ago, I wrote an article titled The Pareto Principle, where I pointed out that 80% of all outcomes or outputs result from only 20% of all causes are inputs, and that this principle can be applied to every aspect of our lives, from money to work to how we allocate our time. But when it comes to passive indexes, the problem is they're filled with losers that may only be going up because of a rising tide. The fact is, when you buy an index, you can't pick and choose, which is the whole point. But as a result, There's no effective way to prune losers without selling your winners as well. So in times of uncertainty, your only defense is to simply reduce exposure overall or periodically rebalance one's equity exposure like so many age-based asset allocation funds try to do these days. But these so-called target dated funds, because they're largely based on the old 60-40 rule, which Lori and I have found so much fault with in past podcasts, Well, they increase one's exposure to bonds the older one gets. And in today's zero interest rate world, that could be a real danger once rates start to rise. The other thing I pointed out was how with passive index investing, one misses out on the snowball effect. Think what happens when you push a snowball down a hill. As it rolls, it continues to pick up snow. So by the time it reaches the bottom, it's become a boulder. In other words, The snowball keeps growing or compounding. And the bigger it gets, the more snow it adds with each revolution, which in the case of a stock means it becomes a bigger and bigger part of your portfolio, which of course can be a plus or a minus when it comes to risk. But it's why the term snowball effect is such a great metaphor because it illustrates how small actions carried out over time can lead to big results. And when it comes to building wealth, It demonstrates the power of Einstein's theory of compound interest.
1: Which is sometimes referred to as the eighth wonder of the world. When it comes to hiring an individual manager or investing in an actively managed fund, understanding their style and discipline is so critical. Are they using quantitative or qualitative analysis? Are they value investors or growth? Buying large cap or small cap? Are they long-term holders or short-term traders who focus on momentum either up or down? There are so many considerations and styles to choose from, and if you don't understand how each style behaves under different circumstances, you just may not know what you're getting. On the other hand, with funds and ETFs, all the trading costs and taxes for whatever turnover there is is passed through to the shareholders. And whether you've held on to the fund for a year or a day you don't benefit from compounding and long-term capital gains rates in quite the same way. While with bond funds, because they don't have a fixed maturity as each bond matures or is sold, the proceeds are rolled over into new bonds, exposing holders to more price risk than a portfolio of individual bonds would when rates rise, because there isn't a specific point in time when your principal is returned.
0: So which is better? There's a growing concern that since index funds now comprise nearly 45% of all investing, they have their own systemic risks if and when the market falls. And there's a stampede where every holding, regardless of quality or fundamentals, is sold like a baby with the bathwater. This may be the single biggest argument in favor of individual stock selection. That is the ability to be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful, as Warren Buffett said. Your goal, he continues, should be to purchase at a rational price a part interest in an easily understandable business whose earnings are virtually certain to be higher five, 10, and 20 years from now. Over time, you'll only find a few companies that meet these standards. So when you see one that qualifies, you should buy a meaningful amount. But remember, if you aren't willing to own a stock for 10 years... Don't even think about owning it for 10 minutes.
1: That actually applies to all investments. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please share it with friends and family so they can enjoy it too. This is Lori Cammie and Barnaby Levin for the Plutonomics Podcast, signing off.
0: LK Wealth and Asset Management and LCK Wealth are a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC, and advisory services through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not and offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the process or investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance, and any investment opportunity to reference may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced are from sources believed to be reliable, and any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. Neither LK Wealth and Asset Management, LCK Wealth, or Hightower shall in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data, or for statements or errors contained in or admissions from the obtained data and information referenced. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced, and such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of LK Wealth and Asset Management and LCK Wealth and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates.